Thank you for tuning in to Jason DeMars Live. Every Tuesday and Friday at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Time, I teach on various biblical topics. Get in contact with me at jasondemars.com. Let me know what topics you would like me to cover in future videos. I have free books and tracks available for you to order and shipping is free as well. Make sure to subscribe and click the little bell to get notified when I post a new video. Good morning everyone. God bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Jason DeMars and we're going to be talking about modesty restored this morning. Um, as you saw, if you have any questions, prayer requests, or testimonies, please let me know. And we have lots of materials there available. You can order from the website, jasondemars.com. Just putting up the contact information there. So appreciate each one of you. And also, uh, if there's topics you'd like me to cover, please let me know. What does the Bible say about modesty. We want to look at restoring the truth that has been lost to modern Christianity. This truth has been restored by a ministry that came in the middle of the 20th century uh, through a minister by the name of uh, William Branham, and he had a prophetic ministry and God used him to restore many truths of the Bible, all the truths of the New Testament Bible back to the Bride of Christ so that she's fully restored back to the original faith. And a part of that original faith is a modest way of dressing and presenting yourself. Did you know that Christians followed a biblical mode of dressing with modesty up until the early 20th century? Did you know that it was Hollywood and liberal theologians that pushed for allowing the modern trends we find today among Christians? Uh, it is a small thing now uh, to find a Christian a woman at the beach wearing a bikini or at the store wearing yoga pants and a sports bra. Immodesty has become the norm among Christians and anyone that would say these things are wrong, these things are sinful, is considered now a fanatic. It used to not be so. Let's look at some historical writings of Christian authors through the years. Um, reading from these historical authors is by no means an endorsement of everything that they say. Simply trying to point out that at one point in time, a modest dress code was the norm. John Bunyan, author of Pilgrim's Progress, widest selling book outside of the Bible, writes this, Why are they for, for going with their naked shoulders and paps hanging out like a cow's bag? Uh, this is from the book From the Life and Death of Mr. Badman. Why are they painting their faces for stretching out their neck 
and for putting of themselves into all the formalities which proud fancy leads them to? Is it because they would honor God? Because they would adorn the gospel? Because they would beautify salvation? No, no. It is rather to please their lusts. I believe also that Satan has drawn more in the sin of uncleanness by the spangling show of fine clothes than he could possibly have drawn unto it without them. I wonder what it was that of old was called the attire of a harlot. Certainly it could not be more bewitching and tempting than are the garments of many professors this day. So even John Bunyan in the 1600s is crying out of the wicked way that English women were dressing at the time. John Wesley, uh, in the 1700s, these are his standards of outward holiness, modest and plain dress, which is defined as loose covering from the neck to below the knee in all normal body postures. This would include the wearing of swimming dresses by women rather than revealing bathing suits as well as the strict prohibition of mixed bathing, a distinction of sexes in in clothing, forbidding such style as trousers and pantsuits for women, even if required by work or public service. Christian men are to wear their hair short, and Christian women must never cut or remove their hair, wearing it long in order to have a definite distinction of male and female sexes. Cyprian, who was Bishop of Carthage in the 200s AD, in his uh, letter entitled The Dress of Virgins, all women in general should be warned that the work of God and his creature and image should in no way be falsified by employing yellow coloring or black powder or rouge or finally any cosmetic at all that spoils the natural features, St. Cyprian wrote, adding they are laying hands on God when they strive to remake what he has made and to transform it, not knowing that everything that comes into existence is the work of God, that whatever is changed is the work of the devil. Clement of Alexandria in the mid-100s A.D., writes, By no means are women to be allowed to uncover and exhibit any part of their bodies, lest both fall, the men by being incited to look, and the women by attracting to themselves the eyes of men. Neither is it seemly for the clothes to be above the knee. If anyone were to refer to these women as prostitutes, he would make no mistake, for they turn their faces into masks. Nor are the women to smear their faces with the ensnaring devices of wiling cunning. But let us show to them the decoration of sobriety. Tertullian, around the same time, for those women sin against God when they rub their skin with ointment, stain their cheeks with rouge, and make their eyes prominent with antimony. To them, I suppose the artistic skill of God is displeasing. My. It's clear from Christian history that our sisters in the Lord uh, were to dress modestly with a loose-fitting long dress, modest, not, cu- not to cut their hair, and to avoid altogether the use of 
makeup. And the Bible speaks clearly on these topics as well. And as Christians, we are called to walk in obedience to the Word of God. Not obedience to our culture, not to obedience to the world around us, but obedience to the Word. 1 Timothy 2.9 says this, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety. This word apparel. John Gill's commentary states, The word rendered apparel signifies a long robe, which reaches down to the feet. And the word translated modest signifies that which is clean, neat, and decent. All right, so this is the standard for a sister in the Lord to, to, to wear. She should wear a dress or a skirt with a blouse that would be considered as uh, modest, something loose-fitting, not hugging to every feature and form of the body in order to be modest. Deuteronomy 22.5, The woman shall not wear that which pertains unto the man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. So a woman should wear a dress or a skirt, and a man should wear pants. God requires this basic distinction between the sexes. And our world is in confusion from this basic premise being violated. This basic premise, God made a man to be a man and to dress like one and act like one. And he made a woman to be a woman and dress like one and act like one. The foundation of this confusion of sexuality and gender is starting with the fact that women began to wear pants. Men began to wear women's undergarments, shorts. This is all confusion. Let's look at makeup here. Second Kings 9.30 says, And when Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her face and tired her head and looked out at a window. So here, connected with an ungodly, idolatrous woman is face painting of the face, makeup. Jeremiah 4.30, And when thou art spoiled, what wilt thou do? Though thou closest thyself with crimson, though thou deckest thee with ornaments of gold, though thou rentest thy face with painting, in vain shalt thou make thyself fair. Thy lovers will despise thee. They will seek thy life. So we see there in this verse and also in uh, Ezekiel 23, 40, um, it makes putting on makeup connected to uh, an adulteress or woman or a prostitute. So it's not connected with godliness. It's connected with godliness, ungodliness, wickedness. I'm going to read from a wonderful little book called Strange Scriptures to the Western Mind. They say, Painting does not appear to have been, when they say painting, they're speaking of makeup, does not appear to have been by any means universal among the Hebrews. Reference to it 
References to it are few, and each instance it seems to have been unworthy of a woman of high character. Thus Jezebel put her eyes in painting. Second Kings 9.30, Jeremiah says of the harlot city, though thou rentest thy face with painting. Jeremiah 4.30, and Ezekiel again makes it a characteristic of a harlot. Ezekiel 23.40. Next, let's look at hair. 1 Corinthians 11.14-15. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. Excuse me, the phrase long hair in Greek is komao, and it means to let the hair grow. That means that a woman is not to cut or trim her the ends of her hair at all. She is to at all times let it grow as long as God ordains it to grow. So, we see the clear history, we see the clear scriptural basis for that history. Let's look at and see what, what brought this falling away. In the 1850s, feminists in Europe and the United States seek to make it acceptable for women to wear pants. In the night, in that, around 1900, there's there went a shift from formal attire. If you see the way people dressed, if they went out of their house, they put on a suit or a, a formal uh, dress to go about their daily business. Someone traveling would put on a suit. Someone going to the grocery store would put on a suit. Uh, going outside it was normal to be dressed very formally in that way. So there was a ship shift from formal attire to more sporty or attire with more ease of movement. Uh, this was especially spurred on by the designs of Coco Chanel. Uh, 1910s, uh, World War I required women to do men's jobs as men went off to war. This continued a shift in thinking. In the 1920s, cosmetics began to be popularized by Hollywood, and the trend carried over so that even respectable women could wear dramatic mascara, eyeliner, dusky eyeshadow, and lipsticks, lipstick like the stars of the screen. The bob became popularized even as Christians spoke against women becoming more masculine. In 1933, Marlene Dietrich caused a great stir by showing up in public wearing pants, and a grand debate and arguments in the newspaper began at that point in time. By 1942, women wearing pants while doing men's work during World War II caused it to become a normal thing. 1945, post-war thinking made pants on women lose its shock value. By the 1960s, Hollywood and advertising culture in America began to make a housewife in a full skirt look outdated. Bikinis became popular, and by the 1980s, even Christian girls started wearing them. 
So you see this process and its continued degradation taking place. Uh, as you see in all these events, the world made a new discovery and Christian society conformed to it. Instead of being transformed by the renewing of your mind, the church was conformed to this world. If it was once unacceptable for Christian women to cut their hair, wear pants, bikinis, and makeup, it remains the same. Our basis is not the world, but the Bible. And we've received a message in this day that's called us to return back to the original faith. Modesty, biblical modesty, has been restored to a people that hear and believe the vindicated message of Brother William Branham. So if you have any questions for me, please let me know. Um, this is an important topic, one that we should not lose track of, and one that we should not become conformed to the world once again. Too often, the pressures of society, the pressures of wanting to look like other people, act like other people, come upon us and we start to compromise little by little. Oh, it wouldn't be wrong to trim, a sister would say, oh, it wouldn't be long to trim, wrong to trim my hair just a little bit. It wouldn't be wrong for me to put on a little bit of uh, cover-up. It wouldn't be wrong for me uh, to put on a little bit of eye makeup. It wouldn't be wrong for me to uh, make a little bit of adjustments to my uh, uh, pencil in or something to my eyebrows. You know, a little bit. Little by little, the devil is corrupting. Little by little, that's, that's how Satan does it. He doesn't come and say, just put on, completely put on makeup, uh, throw off your clothes and walk around naked. Little by little, he deceives a man and he deceives a woman to think, okay, I can just compromise a little bit. Let me wear a little shorter skirts and then a little shorter skirts and a little tighter shirts and a little tighter shirts. Oh, it's, it's no big deal. I can put on shorts. I can put on shorts and go out to the beach. I can put on shorts and walk around outside my house. Um, can put on shorts or pants and go to the health club. These things are compromises that lead to unbelief. It's impossible. It's impossible. All of us, all of us sin. All of us fall short in one way or another. But we should not purposefully be compromising with the world. What's the thing to do? Repent. Return back to your first love. Don't, don't, conti don't continue the process of compromise until it's so great that it's awful. All right? If you've come along this far in the area of compromise, repent and go back to your first 
love. We're called in this day to live the life of Christ. We're called to be prepared for a rapture. We're not called to be more like the world. We're called to be more like Christ. Stop compromising on the little things. Things that you consider little, but that God considers very, very important. Thank you for listening in. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to Jason DeMar's live podcast. New episodes are posted every Tuesday and Friday. We thank you all for listening in. You can also find me on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube to watch the video portion of this. May the Lord richly bless you. Thank you.